It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 175, recorded on Monday the 23rd of August 2021. This episode entitled, Should I Get a Standing Desk? This week, I'm joined by Michelle Frechette and Tim Nash as we talk about the WordPress news. My regular co-host, Paul Lacey, he's having a bit of a break, but he'll be joining us next week. And so the news that we talk about this time around is a discussion about whether or not WordPress is getting harder and harder to work with, especially if you're somebody new to the platform. There's also been a bit of controversy about some plugins being rejected from the WordPress org repository because they start with the prefix WP. What does all that mean? Also, Automatic is now valued at a staggering $7.5 billion. I've no idea how that happened, but we talk about that. We also get into the idea that the hackers, well, they're getting smarter and smarter. And what does this mean for us? How is it that they're able to hide their code? WordFence has an article this week. We also discuss the fact that the Page Builder Summit is coming around again. They need some sponsors. So do WordCamp US. Actually, they need speakers. And finally, we talk about whether or not I should get a standing desk. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress was brought to you by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time? The new AB Split Test plugin for WordPress will have you up and running in a couple of minutes. Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is that it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress Block Editor. Go check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? That's the wrong screen. That's a good start, isn't it? Let's... Uh, let's um... <laughs> built off and uh, put the things that matter on the screen. As always, this week in WordPress, we come to you 2 p.m. UK time every Monday, unless I'm on holiday, which I have been recently. But we're back and um, we've got two lovely guests today. We've got um, we've got Tim Nash joining us from the UK and we've got Michelle Frechette joining us from uh, the US. Michelle is at stupid o'clock. Tim is at the same time as me. <laughs> Still stupid o'clock. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Definitely put these on at the wrong time of day. Um, I don't know if you guys want to introduce yourselves. That would probably be the easiest thing to do because I'm trying to multitask. Paul normally does this bit, but Paul Lacey, you may have noticed there's a great big hole in the screen. Paul's had uh, a holiday, um, which he's currently on, and so he's not here this week, and he normally does the introductions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Tim introduce himself first. So, Tim, tell us who you are. Uh, my name is Tim Nash. I'm a WordPress security consultant, uh, but at the moment I'm uh, enjoying the summer holidays with my daughter. Nice. That's good. Thank you so much. Short and to the point. And Michelle, tell us who you are. So I am the director of customer success for GiveWP, which is now part of Liquid Web, as well as being the podcast barista over at WP Coffee Talk. Thank you so much. When you said that, I was expecting you to say Stella WP, um, but it's it's actually Liquid Web, is it? Which in turn is owned by Stella. Right. How does that work? So Liquid Web is the parent company. Okay. And Stellar WP is the umbrella under which all of the software sits. So if you are looking for Cadence Blocks, or the event calendar, or Give, iThemes, that is all under the brand of Stellar WP. 
Okay, thank you. That makes perfect mm-hmm. sense now. Thanks so sure. much. If you want to join us, then feel free to do that. The, the easiest way to do that is just to comment wherever you may be. If you're on Facebook, then you'll need to do an additional thing, and that is this. Um, go to chat.restream.io forward slash FB, and that will enable Facebook to provide your uh, avatar and so on. I'm really surprised that Facebook, you know, even have this requirement. It seems like they're quite happy to share almost everything about everybody. But there you go. If you want to be de-anonymized, go to that link. If you've got any questions during this, we'll try to put up as many as we can as time goes on. But uh, yeah, feel free to say hi and tell us where you're coming from. Looks like we've got one in already. Cameron, who's here basically every single week, which I very much appreciate. Cameron. I love that. Yeah, it's great. Cameron's in Australia. And uh, he says, what have you done with Paul Lacey and where did you hide his body? I've hidden it in a caravan, I think, somewhere down on the south coast of the UK with his family, which is quite a nice thing to do with him. And uh, maybe he's listening to it now. That'd be hysterical if he was listening to it now, getting told off. Um, Okay, let's get cracking and talk about the WordPress stuff for this week, if that's all right. Just to let you know, this is our website, wpbuilds.com. You can find all of the bits and pieces over there. If you fancy keeping in touch with the stuff that we produce, fill in that little email form there and we'll send you a newsletter just to tell you about the two bits of content that we produce each week. But moving right along, um, we are going to first of all talk about WordPress and its kind of future, if you like, because there was a, a few bits and pieces that went back and forth. It was a bit like tennis over the last week or so, primarily Kind of Justin Tadlock was talking in context, in the context of Matthias Ventura, and the conversation kind of was around the fact that these days, if you are a new person to WordPress, it may be significantly more difficult for you to actually get things done. We're not talking about if you just sort of log in and you point, click, drag, and so on, like you might do with a page builder. But if you want to do things, for example, like, I don't know, building blocks or extending WordPress and so on, then that might be a a little bit more difficult. Um, I'm really out of touch with all of this in terms of actually building stuff and client websites and all of that kind of stuff because I've obviously moved into kind of content creation a little bit more these days. I'm just curious as to which side of the fence you fall on. Maybe maybe that you sit on the fence and think it's as easy as it ever was. Maybe with Gutenberg's requirements for knowledge of React and JavaScript and all of that kind of stuff, you think it's more difficult. So let's kick off with Tim if he's got a response to this. So I think... On the whole, I'm slightly sitting on the fence, but I'll explain why. First of all, Gutenberg has made being a WordPress front-end developer, I think, significantly harder, while at the same time, all the new bits with like things like theme J- JSON files and all the new theme stuff that's coming on board soon will make your lives easier. So you're in the, sort of in a, a state at the moment where things are both incredibly hard and getting easier. But as a general WordPress developer, just getting started now is confusing. Five years ago, if you wanted to be a WordPress developer, your core skill was PHP. And then HTML and CSS was really useful. JavaScript, as long as you, it was pretty much, we lived in a world of jQuery and most people could hack their way around it. Now, you really do have to have a good understanding of JavaScript to do things well. You can still hack mm. around with PHP and do quite well. But if you want to do stuff with Gutenberg, you can use things like ACF blocks. That will help you get some way still using your PHP skills. But those skills have had to adopt to a, a JavaScript world. And unfortunately, the JavaScript world is not a 
pleasant one to work in for many people. It is confusing. You know, so you only have to say, how do I uh, create a block? And someone's going to say, oh, what you need to do is you NPM this. And yeah, like, <laughs> yeah okay, let's go it. back 10 <laughs> steps to what is NPM, you know, the, the NPM is a notepack. Okay, and what's Webpack and how does this, what's Gulp and why is Grunt here? And why do I have four package managers to do just one thing? Um, so it all gets really confusing. And it's obviously moving at a really fast pace, which is particularly galling to the PHP developers who have been desperately trying to get WordPress to move at a faster pace on the PHP side and get told, oh, no, backwards compatibility. You can't have mm. that. You can't have Composer for package management. Happily can have four other package managers for JavaScript, but you can't have one for PHP. So you get this sort of rubbing round, this rub against these sort of conflicting views. On the plus side, we've got much better documentation and some really clever people who know what they're doing and are teaching, which is a good thing, which is something we didn't have before. So it yeah. is possible to learn this stuff. But yeah, if you're just if you're coming as a, a an existing developer in a small agency, I can totally sympathize and understand why you're frustrated as anything. Mm. As a complete newbie, it might actually be a better experience. But I'm not sure I would if someone was a complete newbie developer, I'm not sure I would recommend WordPress as their sort of way to do their training, if you like, um, anymore. Whereas I might have done a few years ago. I don't think I yeah. would now. I'd say come to WordPress once you've been somewhere else, which I yeah. think is a bit of a sad, but I think that will get them the prerequisite skills they'll then need to use WordPress. Yeah, it's curious. The some of the things that you said, obviously, you're reflected in this article, and some of the some of the other things. I hadn't really given any thought to the the not the documentation. You said like tutorials and what have you. That's true. Now that we've got LMSs and all of that kind of stuff built into WordPress, there's a lot of people. Joe Casabona was on the the podcast recently, and he's he's got a little course which he sells online. Um, and there's various other people with you know YouTube channels, and they're really interested. You've got people like Anne McCarthy who are making great efforts to put out content to to get people involved in the project and so on. Yeah, so I hadn't really thought about that side. And interestingly, in this article, they make the point that even though the documentation is probably better than it was, they still feel that there's a lot of catching up to do and, and making it look nice is also part of the thing, you know, putting in screenshots that are appropriate. But keeping up with that kind of stuff is a formidable, formidable task, I would have thought. Um, anything anything on your side? What do you, what do you reckon, Michelle? <laughs> so first of all, um, I'm friends with Chris, and he had no idea that that tweet and that post were going to blow up the way they did. Mm. He's been getting contacted by magazines and people outside of WordPress to to do interviews, which he's declined. But um, yeah, but he seriously hit a um, hit a nerve <laughs> with all of that information. Uh, and what's interesting is you know over on on the underrepresented in tech dot com podcast, Ali and I have been talking about education, the requirements for education, the privilege that comes with education. But when you start to talk about changes like this, you know, a background, um, a degree in certain kinds of development aren't necessarily going to help you here either, right? Because the pace is going so quickly. So in a way, it's the privilege is different than did you have the money to go to college or not go to college mm. as much as do you have the time and the effort and the energy in your life that it takes to continue to, you know, learn all the new stuff that that's being brought forward. Um, you know, 
if you don't have the time to read the great documentation, does that help you at all? You know, all those kinds of things. So it really is interesting. It's, it's definitely a different WordPress than I started using, you know, almost 10 years ago. So it's um, everything, everything changes. The way I like to say it is everybody was completely up in arms when Facebook changed its layout. But none of us remember what the Facebook layout was before the current one, right? So <laughs> this is a little different. I understand that, you know, coding is, is very much different than what does what does my screen look like. But the truth is when you say things like like it's changed and and I think really to to speak to Tim's um, comment about if you're coming in as a new developer, if this is the way it's always been, then you're gonna learn it this way and you don't have, you know, the history behind it. Um, I said the same thing about Gutenberg when it first came out. I, I was I stopped teaching WordPress because I had to learn it first. Whereas people who were coming into WordPress for the first time, it was native to them. And so for that point, they just started using it and they didn't have as much of a learning curve as those of us who had been using it the way we always did in the past. Yeah, it's interesting. Cameron's Cameron, just to your point there, um, Michelle Cameron makes a sort of similar point. He says, someone I know pointed out that the reason React Dev is so much harder is that you can't build iterative, iteratively. It goes on to say PHP, you can just say Echo World, hello, uh, and it works. To output the same with React takes hours of setup, which, yeah, I guess is a good point. If you, uh, if you have to do a boatload of stuff before you can get anything happening, that might just put people off. Um, it was interesting, though. There was something in here about building block plugins, and I can't be certain that I'm going to get the right point in the article, but um, Justin made the point that there were a few people who had found it really easy to to do things um, building their own blocks with the with the setup that they've got at the moment um, than they did before. They didn't regard themselves as developers, basically designers, but they were able to throw a few, a few things together with a few hours of tutorials. And wish I could find the wish I could find the bit. Curiously, this article ends about this thing called the boss factor, which I never heard of before. Reading it, the boss factor is basically there's um, people important to the project accidentally get hit by a boss and are we at a point now or are we heading into a point in the near future where a few key people being hit by a boss or just getting bored and walking away or having something else to do might mean that the project stagnates and doesn't move forward and um it does it does feel like there are certain key people who if they decided to do things different and have a have a different life away from wordpress we could be in a bit of bother I thought you were going to say if they decided to get hit by a bus, and I'm really glad. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No. We won't get into that. Um, <laughs> okay. Nothing else to add to that from me. If you two are happy, we'll move on to one the next thing point. that Michelle mentioned, which mm. was she, she sort of hooked onto, which was that uh, the doc was talking about going and looking for that documentation. One thing we ha we have got all these extra tutorials and documentation. One thing we don't actually have though is a way for us to give to find that documentation easily. If you come and type in the word WordPress developer course, what you're not going to get is an up-to-date modern WordPress development course. What you're going to get is the person who did SEO 10 years ago, who's done brilliantly at their SEO and is now number one for in Google for WordPress developer course. And they're raking it in with a course that is still based on something from like 10 years ago. Mm. All credit to them because I, I wouldn't change it either if I was in that their position. But we as a community don't have an easy way to do that except through things like make and learn.wordpress. But learn.wordpress mm -hmm. is, like everything to do with WordPress, very inwardly focusing. 
So they won't link out to other people's sites. They won't link out to mm -hmm. those other courses because they want to build out those, you know, uh, curate that resource themselves. Um, so we we still need to find a way of getting people's the information, and that's something that's really lacking. And I think that the people who said they had learnt uh, Gutenberg in five hours, if they were given the right resource at the right time, and they didn't just tweet, "I hate Gutenberg, I can't make it work," and have ten people go, "NPM install." <laughs> <laughs> which is what you'll get if you do it <laughs> yeah hey this is a curious question about documentation i find writing the least interesting bit of putting this podcast pod, podcast together in that you know there's there's audio and i have to make graphics and what have you and each time I, I do write some show notes which not everybody does who does a podcast they might write just a few words but i sometimes write a couple of thousand to say what's in the podcast episode and uh, that's the least interesting bit for me because I'm, I'm, it just turns out that I don't much like technical, especially writing. I just find I, I find other things to do. I'm much more likely to be distracted. On the other hand, I know, Michelle, you love you know, putting pen to paper and writing things. Do you, what, what do you I think about the whole? Yeah. Do you, do you enjoy technical writing? Because a lot of the Not stuff. Not at all. I, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I would much rather write things like how to do fundraising. I like to write that for the Big Orange Heart blog. I, you know, anything like that. I, I write about business, any of those kinds of things. But um, technical writing, documentation, it's it's very dull to me. Very yeah. much needed, of course, but also very dull. Well, I kind of feel that that's probably going to always be the case. A lot of the people involved in the project are doing important things like writing the code or, you know, being involved in the community or what have you. It feels that it is a stretch to make the documentation keep up with everything just because it, it there's my experience is that most people do not enjoy writing technical documentation as much as a whole battery of other things. So I think the documentation yeah. side of things is always going to be a bit of a bit of a difficult one to keep up. I I noticed that Cameron hasn't made a note about how much he enjoys documentation either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if Cameron hasn't said it, then it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Straw poll. Does, what does Cameron think? Um, okay, let's move on because this is this is a bit of a storm in a teacup piece that we had this week. This um, this came from two places. It originally appears. I don't know if it originally came here. Koi Wolf, the website. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes when this is published tomorrow. But I'm going to focus on the one written by Sarah Gooding over at WP Tavern. So this is really curious, and it kind of it kind of got me all hot under the collar for a little while until I calmed down and thought about it some more. But um, <laughs> during during the last week or so. Um, there was a, a plug-in author, and forgive me, um, it, the only thing I've got here is the Twitter handle, Youngblood Joe, um, and he put a, a plug-in into the review process, and the plug-in was called WP something, and I forget what it was called. Maybe somebody can tell me in a sec. And it was turned down because of the what felt like trademark problem of having a pref uh, the preface of WP something. And obviously, as soon as I read this, without any more thought or what have you, I suddenly think, well, I, I've got I've got WP build. It's not a plugin, but is that is that contravening some kind of thing that's written down? I'm not allowed to say WP. Because my expectation was WP was always the poor man's version of saying WordPress. We're not allowed to say WordPress because that really is in law, as far as I know. And so we all go WP instead. And I just thought, oh, oh no, no, please don't say that WP is now being um, inspected in this same way. 
So anyway, his plugin was booted out of the the repository, and he was told, "Nope, no, 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 that's that's not allowed. Go and find another name or or what have you." And uh, and this is the way the the sort of debate started to happen. It felt like a trademark thing, and people were getting all annoyed. Um, Mika Epstein said, "Nope, not, nothing to do. We're just trying to make things tidy and keep things so that it's really obvious." The Really, if you're in the WordPress plugin space, I think the argument would go something like this. Find a name that's got nothing to do with a handle in WP. So, you know, if you're an SEO plugin, call yourself the SEO plugin or something like that. Don't have WP. Then, of course, you get people going, yeah, but there's WP Rocket and there's WP this plugin and WP that plugin, and they were allowed to do it. Why can't I? And so it goes on. Politics, Twitter feeds go crazy and what do you think? Let's start with Michelle on this one. <laughs> well, like you, the first thing I thought was, I mean, I, I saw the first blush without doing a, diaper, a deeper dive and was like, oh my gosh, we can't use WP. I'm going to have to rename my podcast. Yeah, exactly <laughs> me. Yeah, perfect. I'm like, coffee talk isn't the same as WP coffee <laughs> no, talk. No. <laughs> um, but then when I read it a little bit further, I actually thought a lot of what they say makes sense. So from a marketing standpoint, right? So we think that putting the WP in front of things is going to help us be found. It's going to help us. But the truth is, if you can really differentiate yourself, um, without use without relying on the WordPress part of it, then you've probably got a better. Like, it does. It doesn't say WPSEO. It says Yoast. Everybody knows what Yoast is, right? Um, we use Give WP with the WP, but it's actually just Give. But we put the WP on there just for marketing. It's not actually in the code. So if you can, you know, divorce yourself of the WP where you need to, you can still, of course, market yourself as a WordPress plugin. Yeah. Okay. And Thank you don't you. have to rename your podcast. No. <laughs> Yeah, I was I really was thinking that's a yeah, both of us, both of us. But do, what, I thought of myself about, first, of course, but then I thought yeah. of too. <laughs> what do you think about though the, the the fact that there are players obviously in there who've got underneath the wire before and and, I mean, and really any, to to me, gone. Yeah, every I mean anything. Whenever there's change, there's going to be things that are grandfathered, right? So they're not going to make you go back over how many plugins are in the repo now, right? And how many of them have WP hyphen in them. To, to change all of that would be a complete and utter nightmare. And so you, you do grandfather things, you make changes going forward. And to, to the new people, it feels horrible because, well, they got to, I don't. But, you know, life isn't about fair, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's equity, there's justice, there's equality. But when you make changes, you move forward. I mean, it, it used to be that, you know, you couldn't um, drive your horse on a Sunday or something like that. And we have automobiles now. The laws change, right? And so you just kind of have to say, well, they used to be able to do it. Right. But we have automobiles. You can't ride your horse down the middle of Main Street without causing an accident now. So Wait, can you? I was going to say, this is not a law I've ever fallen yeah, foul well, of. Yeah. But, but also, I mean, you put into the UK. Now, but... We ride our horses wherever we like. We can, row, we can throw our goats and our sheep across bridges in London quite happily. <laughs> Do you know, we if could I... get into such an interesting conversation about the quirky laws that we have in the UK. I mean, everybody's got these apocryphal stories of these yeah. peculiar laws. I'm sure it's the same in the United States. We but call they're... them blue laws here. I don't oh, know okay. why, but they're called blue laws. But if you took your horse down, you know, a... a a motorway that was 55 miles per hour or greater, that's a problem, right? So you can't take your horse down the middle of, maybe Main Street's fine because it's slow, but you wouldn't ride a horse down the Audubon, 
So, but once upon a time, there were no vehicles and riding, you know, that stretch of what turned into the Audubon was a horse path. So things change. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, Tim. Well, something that uh, Michelle said there was you think about Yoast and how Yoast is branded and it's Yoast SEO. Of course, if you go and actually look at their slug, their slug is actually WordPress hyphen SEO. Is it? There you go. And they are the number one plugin for WordPress SEO in terms of downloads. Now, I wonder how that happened. Mm, anyway, is it? Yeah. <laughs> so you can understand why people might be a bit knocked. Also, when they, everybody, when it started off, it was all of, you know, the whole trademark thing was very much they're blocking the trademarks. And they, the initial response is, no, we're not. And it's like, but, but you are. And it's like, no, it's got nothing to do with trademarks. What makes on, what on earth makes you think it's about trademarks? It's like, because the array that this protection is in is in is called trademarks underscore exceptions equals array. So it's literally they're using the code for trademark preventions to stop this. So, of course, everybody assumed the worst. Um, and I'll be honest, the argument is specifically that people who put WP in front are later then going to change it to WordPress. And it's like, but can they not just not put it in front and then later change it to WordPress? How does that fix the... So it does feel like it's, it's a solution to a problem that I, I didn't even realize they had, but clearly there was, there's enough of a problem that they've taken this action. So a problem that nobody knew they had, and it doesn't fix that problem. So I'm not quite sure. Uh, Josepha says in that piece, I think, that it's an experiment. I, I imagine it's an experiment that's going to be quietly uh, withdrawn. Uh, I, I think it doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Enough people are complaining about the fact that it doesn't make sense in terms of how you tr how people find and look for plugins. Uh, I think an example of WPSMTP is used there. What would you do? Create a plugin called SMTP. Well, now you've got two plugins right. called SMTP. So the, the WP is a good way of differentiating if I've got my service, let's say I'm uh, Facebook, I might want a WP Facebook to differentiate my WordPress plugin from my Joomla Facebook plugin. So I might have, I don't know, JL. I don't know how they prefix Joomla. Uh, JL.Facebook, hyphen Facebook. So I can sort of, I don't really see the point. I think somebody put it in, thought it was a good idea. Someone found out. Everybody got shouty. Now some some lines have been drawn. People have come up with a somewhat of a backstory to fix it because it was, by everybody's admission, this was just thrown up in a meeting and it was thrown in a quick code commit and then it was gone. We've all done that. We've all that had that scenario. And you normally have two choices. You roll it back or you stick to your guns and then... Then you see what happens, and it happens over and over again. They'll back down eventually. <laughs> I'm curious because the if I do a, a, a search in Google, so let's say for example that it was it was Tim Nash that I was looking for. Um, quite likely, there's not that many Tim Nashes because uh, there are lots. Are there? Okay, okay. So and, and, and I hate Mr. The Wolves. Um, that there's a guy in, in Wolverhampton who is a sports journalist, and we don't get on. Okay, that's great. So if I if I search for Tim Nash on Google, the quickest way that I'm going to find this, he said, pointing this Tim Nash, <laughs> is by putting WP in the in the search results. So I would this is what I do for everybody that I want to track down a Twitter handle for. I might type in um, Michelle Frechette space WP Tim Nash space WP, and that is a 
that is a solid way of finding somebody in the WordPress space, mm -hmm. which tells me that Google clearly associate WP inextricably with WordPress. And and also, if you're not allowed to use WordPress and you've got a plugin like an SMTP plugin, and and you're now sort of well, give it a jazzy name, you know, call it something unique, like I don't know just a, a made-up name, that's really difficult. You're going to have a lot of work to get traction and to make people understand what it is. But if you just call it ordinary plugin name prefaced with WP, you've really cut out all the hard work of making, making people understand what it is. So WP SMTP, WP Forms, WP whatever, it just makes life really easy. And I, I just don't quite get why this should be out of bounds because it's Can not... Can you still not call it that, though? Right, you can mm. still call it that. It's just it's just talking about code. It's not talking yeah. about what's your branding and how you're using the the letters WP. You know, they haven't told us we can't be give WP. Correct. We are. It's just but I, I guess my fear, and th th this is kind yeah. of where the conversation went. The people were lots of people were sort of saying, is is this in fact a precursor to people? saying, well, you, you, we'd rather you didn't use WP. And, right. and, of course, everybody came out and said, no, 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 no. That's not what's going on. But I was just I was just curious that putting so, WP in the slog name that mirrors exactly what your plugin is called. So it begs the question, is it WP drama or WP dash drama now? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely dash drama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. WP storm hyphen in hyphen A hyphen teacup but um yeah nice it was a good it's good to have these little dramas occasionally it's nice to nice to keep oh, there's toes. always little dramas you just yeah anyway the, the article for this if is on uh wp tavern you can see it here it's called wordpress.org experiments with rejecting plugin submissions with wp prefix and then there's some more words but that's all you need to probably google okay right if we're done with that one uh that was the article that it came with so we don't need to go into this this oh Boy, this is this is a piece of that I literally was unable to read because I'm not clever enough. I don't understand economics at all. I am very much how much money is in my pocket and what's the balance in my bank account. That's kind of all I need to know. I don't have clever portfolio stacked up here. I don't understand what financial institutions do and how they squirrel away money and how you you get seed money and where it's spent and how you can offset it against this, that, and the other thing. All of those things I just made up. They're probably not even real. Um, <laughs> And this, basically what came out of this is that Automatic in February, they've kept it really quiet for reasons that I didn't quite understand. They, they had a, a primary funding round of a jaw-dropping amount of money, $288 million. I think I read these numbers so often now that it, it, it kind of feels, ah, it's $288 million. But then I thought, $288 million, what do you do with $288 million? And you're talking like hospitals and that kind of thing, aren't you? $288 million from a bunch of companies that I know nothing about. BlackRock, Wellington, Schoenfeld, the Alter Park. Probably you all know exactly who these people are. Um, but they've invested a bunch of money into Automatic. And the big takeaway for me was that this number here mm -hmm. is now the valuation of Automatic. And for those of you that are listening to it, that number is, wait for it, 7.5 trillion, no, billion dollars, <laughs> which is just so much money. And then the article goes into all of the clever financial things that happened and why it's, you know, why they've been buying things and what have you. Really, that was the piece, $7.5 billion. I don't even know what that could buy. I don't know what that actually looks like. but Pretty sure you could, you could build your own spaceship and do a 
to run the world oh. like Jeff Bezos did. Yeah, that would that would honestly be the most peculiar thing to see Matt Mullenweg like launch a space company. That there's something about that which doesn't fit. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, what do you, what do you make of this? What do you make of all this money and all of these people investing in automatic? I mean, everybody constantly says, "Ah, it's maturation. It's the way it is." I don't. I just don't even get it. I just don't get the numbers. I don't get how you get this big. Well, with the market share that that WordPress has on the internet right now, it's not surprising to see money being poured in that direction um, because it's a it's you know it's not a sinking ship. It's definitely riding the tides very very well, and so that's where money goes, right? Because that's you want to see your money grow itself, and so you you want to put it in something that's doing very well. I have an MBA, but my MBA is in marketing, and I took the one finance class that I had to have to graduate. So that's that's pretty much where my um, <laughs> my conversation ends. It wasn't in macroeconomics then. It it was not in macro, micro, or any other kind of yeah. economics. Um, I took it one econ class and one finance class, and a lot of marketing and e-commerce classes. But uh, when e-commerce was still, this was two thousand and. 2000 and 2001. So this is when it still cost, you know, $100 to buy a URL, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, I think it's interesting to see how much money is sitting in automatic. It's more interesting to think about why, what is the plan with over $7 billion in a company that's watching the budget line so carefully of WordCamps, for example, and, you know, no, your, your WordCamp is about $300 over budget. Um, what are you going to drop so that you, you know, come in at budget? Well, I don't know. Just pull 300 out of that $7.6 billion. Why don't you? And we'll call it even. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, uh, could, they could maybe, you know, send some money over to Big Orange Heart and we wouldn't have to worry about the fundraising like we do. I, I feel a gauntlet has just been thrown down and uh, that's that's interesting. I, I think one Says of the, the girl things... who has the barista behind her making her coffee I... in the morning. <laughs> I think it's worth remembering that they don't actually have seven and a half. Yes, correct. Dollars. Yeah. Some hypothetical scenario has occurred, which yeah. how you value intangible right. things on the internet is always been causing these giant valuations. If you, I don't know, if you own a steel production facility, you have the amount of steel you can push out over a period of time. Times that by 12. Yeah. You have uh, a valuation. Even if we just look at the two hundred and eighty-eight million, <laughs> there's still enough to make sure that WordCamps happen in a oh, yeah. very nice way. <laughs> One of the things in the article I did find interesting was that um, the idea of buyback shares. Yeah, I didn't get this either. So this is um, basically uh, when you join Automatic and you've been there for a while, they let you buy some shares. Right. So we'll if you're a shares. if you're an employee and you've put some time in, you can you can purchase shares back. Uh, okay. Well, no, you you get you're given shares or you can buy extra shares because they're a private company, and I'm I don't really entirely know how the American system works because it's stupidly complicated everywhere in the world. But and because they're a private company, they don't have to at any point pay you for those shares. So they can just keep you can have shares, and they can don't even have to give you dividends from them. So what it seems that they've done is this year they've gone say gone to all the people who might have old, older shares who might have left the company. And even some of the original people whose shares were, are now worth quite a lot of money have gone, hey, would you like an opportunity for us to buy them back? Which means they can then hold on to those shares, which means that, they, that um, 
the original auto, the automaticians themselves and automatic and matt have a still have this quite large pot of shares even though they're getting in all this extra investment so uh, uh, my understanding and i am not an, an economist is that he's done good he's doing good they're doing good but the big thing is that the ex the ex employees have also done good out of this mm. where it's so normal for a company when you leave that they either just they've issued you with what is effectively junk shares that are only only tangible while you're in the company or they force you to sell them at a pittance rate that so they were totally worthless so um it, it seems like that hasn't happened with automatic and actually there are people who got a little bit of a payout out of this and that's got to be a good thing because mm. they can give to w big, big orange heart i was going to say wp yeah yeah my my favorite crazy theory though is that um we should be watching for automatic to be purchasing only fans any minute now <laughs> Okay, so wait wait a minute, right? So I've seen this word so many times over the last, like, let's say week or so, maybe yeah. more. What even is that? OnlyFans? Yeah. I've never actually logged in, but Tim looks like he knows, so let's... Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Tim. <laughs> no, but it's like... Are we going down a rabbit hole here? We're we okay. going down a scary rabbit hole. You <laughs> do not wish to go. <laughs> okay. The brief, the brief elevator. It's, okay, it's, the brief it's, elevator. It's pay for content, it, yeah. It, it, it's paid for content from a farm in uh, West Sussex. So it's founded in, in West Sussex in the UK. It is basically a, a pay, like Patreon, only uh, they allowed adult content. Oh. And you know what? They got really big really quickly because it's really unusual for a site like that to offer adult content. It, so um, whatever your feelings towards safe space, sex work, it provided that space. Um, and so people jumped on it and lots of independent people jumped on it. So individual workers, rather than it being big companies and porn production companies. The problem is there's a reason no one does this because MasterCard and Visa came along and went, hi. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Okay. You might be consenting. You might be consenting, but we're not consenting to this. We're not consenting. We're not in this consenting mode. And so they've basically said, you've got, you were yanking your uh, ability to take payments. So OnlyFans, which is, it does have non-adult content, supposedly. Absolutely. That's um, what I've heard. I, I, someone was talking about toenails on, on TV this morning. To do oh, no. No, we're not. No, that's a, that's a different <laughs> rabbit hole. We're not doing that. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> So, but they um they basically said, oh no, we're going to have no uh, explicit adult content, which I, okay, it's like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of their content. Um, oh, it's it's a bit like WordPress dot dot com saying we're not allowing the letter P uh, in any publication now. It's just like <laughs> okay, there's the end of your business. All right. Yeah, it, it, but um, I think Michelle was alluding to Tumblr when she made the reference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's it. That that's well, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, the one of the just getting back to this article, one of the the things which keeps cropping up is um, Matt's bullishness about WooCommerce. I think he really does feel that the valuation of Automatic is going to go through the roof at some point in the near future because he keeps saying that he thinks it's at, he thinks it's working at about one percent of what it could do, and if it becomes the default platform for e-commerce throughout the known universe then uh, then obviously 7.5 billion you know, would would seem like a small amount of money i just don't i just don't understand what you do with with like all all of this money that's being invested i i guess one of the things addressed in the article is that they're on a massive clip to hire people so many people being hired and if memory serves i think they've got 136 people 
hired this year to date. So in about eight months, they've managed to take it up to 130, 136 extra people. And they're looking for a whole bunch of really, really senior people around head of payments, WooCommerce, VIP, uh, and various other things. So probably this is where the money's going, as well as buying up loads of really nice things like pocket casts and day one, all these lovely apps that I like to use. Let's move on, unless we've got something else. This one is definitely out of my comfort zone. I don't know about you, Michelle. Um, This is all sort of themes and headless and what have you. And I thought, well, let's put this one in because we have somebody who actually knows how hosting works. To me, hosting is something... I used to run my own server, but it was really straightforward to do. But usually hosting involves exchanging money for a, a username and a password and then just praying that it all works. And uh, yeah, Tim's sort of shrugging. Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe that's how it works. Tim, on the other hand, uh, has a deep and rich heritage being on the technical side of hosting. Um, and this article, which I should probably put on the screen, otherwise nobody's going to know what I'm on about. It's, uh, it's another WP Tavern article, uh, new boilerplate speaks up building nearly headless WordPress themes. First of all, Tim, what what's the did you if you manage to read this one clarify for us what's the difference between headless and nearly headless and don't say nick because that's not <laughs> well should we start with what is headless because i yeah. think that might get us somewhere Let's to go it. there so a, a, a headless or decoupled theme is where um the theme itself is not making direct calls to WordPress. Instead, it makes uh, API requests, either using the REST API or um, GraphQL, the GraphQL plugin, to make so it makes effectively makes requests to the server without knowing anything about what's there on the server. So it's not it can sit on a completely separate server away from WordPress and make those calls cross. Now. This is different from, say, a static site. So, for example, my own site is a static site. So if you went to my site, you could go and try and find WP Admin Area if all you like. But on my site, uh, I, I log in on, a local mach- on my local machine, I generate some pages, and it creates HTML, which gets automatically uploaded. With a headless scenario, it's very similar in some respects in that they've got the HTML and the JavaScript gets uploaded and can be uploaded anywhere you like. But with a headless one, there's this connection back to a back-end server somewhere that can then be running WordPress. Now, the advantage of this is that back-end server, um, there's far less things hitting that back-end server. So from a uh, resource per- perspective, it's a much, it means that uh, your site should stay nice and fast and shouldn't fall over. Um, from a security perspective, there are some benefits that there's because people are hitting a what is hopefully a flat HTML at the front. Though you've still got these endpoints exposed, but those endpoints are much more limited and what can be done with them. The downside to both a full static site and a headless site is that um, plugins don't really do anything anymore. If you imagine Gravity Forms, and it's like, yay, I put my Gravity Form up on my static site, and I, I submit the form, and it doesn't go anywhere. That's unfortunate. So you then have the, all these things and services that work together to try it. So suddenly, running a static site requires you to have like 20 services working for you. and it yeah. becomes, You go from, oh, yeah, this is going to be free. I can run this on, I don't know, GitHub pages to actually it's costing me a fortune because i'm paying someone to store my forms for me and stuff um so and 
likewise with headless it's sort of like yeah I'm, I'm free except for the fact i still have a full wordpress stack sitting over here that i have to pay for and if you, you look at people uh their hosting companies that uh, are now in, in this space they've gone aha we get to make you pay for it twice <laughs> <laughs> and so you're paying so that you effectively end up paying for two servers because and two set for this these sort of setups um as for nearly headless i believe what we, this is what's referred to as a marketing talk nice <laughs> um basically the uh it, it from what i read and understood i haven't played with it is that um their plugins basically extend the rest api to give you more functionality um so the rest api by default it has some very limited options in terms of what you can get in and out of it without going through a whole heap of authentication and doing OAuth and all sorts of complicating stuff and their plugin gives you a little bit more flexibility um the problem when we start talking about giving apis more flexibility is we end up with xml rpc albeit in a nice pretty version with json but we'll end up back in the world of xml rpc very quickly if we're not careful um, and this is where headless really sort of falls down. Um, we're taking something that was fairly simple and we've just added layers and layers and layers of complexity for partial gains. Now, in some scenarios, for big enterprises in particular, this might work well, especially if you can get your WordPress uh site your main part of your wordpress site sitting behind the corporate firewall you have a proxy in the middle for just passing those single those requests through it can become a very secure way of working and a way that works in most in enterprise it models for your average person headless wordpress is probably not the thing they need or want to go towards and i think nearly headless is just going to be yeah <laughs> It's, 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 it, they're selling a plugin and uh, they're selling their plugin and figbot. They're not selling; they're giving it away. I think. Mm -hmm. um, what is nice about this is that it is using modern stuff. So uh, instead of like jQuery, they've got Alpine JS bits in there. But it is just a just a theme at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's good that we had Tim on to talk about this because uh, I couldn't I couldn't have said any of those words. Like I don't even know. Uh, I think Tim was probably just lying to us all. Mm. Just that. <laughs> No idea. <laughs> so my two cents, my two cents yeah. on this is we need to get James Tryon to create the headless Wapu and the nearly headless Wapu now. Oh, come on. That would be so funny. No, I mean, just it could time, be could be quite gory. Could, Halloween. <laughs> well, it could be gory or it could be like, you know, the you headless know, the, horseman the kind of. The big ball with his head there instead of the big blue thing. <laughs> I, I think it would be hysterical it really does so though seem to me like this this keeps getting pulled pushed out as a as a trope at the minute you know headless is the way forward and what have you it's quite interesting to get your take on that also i am i am interested in what you've got set up on your own i'm guessing that you've done this you built it yourself tim your setup for your own personal website or is it a is it like a spaghetti of different uh, services and plugins or have you no, just i mean for, for mine actually my website just uses i have i run a copy of uh local on my yep. machine well actually that bit we'll we'll skip over because it's not quite but for the sake of it i have a local dev environment on my machine which has my site on it which is a standard wordpress site uh it doesn't have pretty much no plugins on there except a couple that i've coded and then i use um JP, uh 
JP Static, which is a plugin that you by Leon Stafford. Uh, that which, sounds right. Yeah, which just generates HTML pages, and then I have basically I put those HTML pages in, and I have uh, so when I hit go, it deploys my site. When I've wrote, written something or edited some bits and pieces, it deploys my site um, into a folder, which is a Git folder, which I then just Git commit into, and it appears on my Netterfly, um, on a Net Netterfly, which is a hosting server for static things. Right. Um, right. It is free. It, it, I don't Leon pay a penny Stafford, from my site. You're right about that. I've got a feeling we got the name wrong. Is it WP2 Static with the number two Possibly. or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, he has two plugins, and it's the one that's not his main one. Okay. This one allows me to just do stuff from the command line. Okay. Well, that's, re that's really interesting yourself. And is there, is there a reason why you did that? Is it just that you wanted to conjure about and fiddle and try something new and when you'd finished it you were like oh i'm really happy with this or did you set out to make it because that is significantly more complicated than i would like to be involved in but obviously I'll there are honest, massive it, benefits it's um, significantly simpler than managing a wordpress website uh, nice <laughs> because i don't have to worry about serving set up, servers right. and hosting and all that jazz or uh, ultimately the things on my local machine it's it, the git stuff is all optional the you could have literally just as long as you can get a, you can get a wordpress site running on your local machine it's it's as simple as then pressing a button and it can be deployed to whatever hosting you want and your hosting can be it, i i use netlify but netlify netlify yeah but um so you easy could probably, to say. You yeah. can say GitHub pages. You could throw that to uh, Cloudflare's new uh, static hosting. You can put it wherever you like. Um, and I, so I've got a backup system with my DNS so that even if Netlify went down, Cloudflare would just kick in and you'd still see the site again. So I think... I think Tim, you get this this week's award for you know this week's nerd point awards. That's uh, that's really good. That sounds amazing. But you can do this really simply, is what I'm saying. I yeah. think it's stupidly complicated because that's what I am. But uh, yeah, it's it, it can be done simply, and it's both much cheaper. And then you know, from a security perspective, people can't do anything with it. Yeah, there's nothing to go out. at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. And all the forms and all of that kind of stuff you take care of with what a third party or it's. So Netlify itself has a forms uh, API that, and so basically you just put in some custom data in the HTML for the form, got it, and it will post it. Um, and on their free plan, you get like a hundred entries to your form afterwards. You might have to pay. Okay. Um, hundred people don't don't email yeah, me. That's Please, right. hundred people don't yeah. email me. I don't need yeah. any emails. Yeah. I love it when you see all these. You know, you can get five hundred thousand page views a month or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay. Not well, that's really. exactly the scenario I didn't want to be in. Um, I, as you know, as someone who is fairly technical, my choices really were manage the stack myself or have somebody else do it for me. I don't want somebody else to do it for me. Mm. Um, I've. I, I, I have my own opinions and they're very opinionated on what I want out of things. And so this was the solution that I came up with to make it as simple as possible to get something done. And this way I'm not faffing about and I don't have to worry about doing server updates every day and managing yeah. stuff and deploying stuff and all this. I, if I, when, I, when I want to write, I could just write a post and go, push the button. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Okay. 
So as somebody who doesn't struggle with imposter syndrome, that does get challenged when I'm on WP Builds and almost every conversation we have is technical and I'm here with Tim Nash. Just Sorry. saying. <laughs> you're not going to hate it's the like, next story <laughs> yeah well i've got a, i've got a side with you michelle I, a lot of this stuff is is like is often totally beyond my pay grade and sometimes if I, if sometimes it's nice it to, yeah sometimes it's nice to read it and kind of try to figure your way through the woods and other times it's you get halfway through and you go i don't yeah. get this at all i have no idea but uh but it's nice Tim's to hear talking other people. about the servers and everything and i'm like well look at the wapoo <laughs> <laughs> But I we all my confidence intact. It'll be a good day. We all have a place, don't we? That's the nice thing about this community. Absolutely. So, yeah. Speaking of which, we're on to another area of Tim's strength again. So, Michelle and I, what we'll do is we'll just walk off the screen, go and make a coffee. <laughs> Um, you know, just read the paper this, a bit. Right? There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Um, but no, this stuff, the, to be honest with you, I, I am really interested in internet security. And I, I said before we hit the record button, I'm, I'm really interested in it from the, like, the narrative side. I really like reading about vulnerabilities and things that have gone wrong and people trying to patch it. It's, it's when the technical details start to drop in that I kind of... It's not just that I, it's not that I lose interest. I can't keep up. I just don't have the, the technical background or capability to keep up. But I'm really interested in internet security, probably more than anything else. Actually, I just really like the stories, and I like all the the people who are this. It just this sort of dynamic of people fighting on one hand and people trying to defend us on the other hand, and it's it's really adversarial. And I just love the ingenuity and the the things that the hackers are up to. I know it sounds ridiculous, but the the the, the boundaries that they're pushing all the time to make the people the good guys, if you like, have to do the work to keep them out. And it's just fascinating. Not necessarily on the, just on the WordPress side, just the internet in general, you know, your iPhone and your computer and all that kind of stuff. So well, I will do, say that security is the the number one reason that all of my sites have been moved to managed WordPress hosting right? so that I don't have to spend so much time worrying about being, because I did get hacked once three times over the same weekend and I had everything sitting on a shared server and it took me hours and hours and hours because I didn't know how to clean up the sites and I didn't have the money to pay somebody at the time. I was freelance. And so, you know, looking at managed, it's, it's people are, that balk at the price. It's, it's like insurance for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I do like to listen to Tim talk on and on about it because it is fascinating. I don't mean to say that in that way. It is fascinating. <laughs> I didn't say drone on and on. I said talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is fascinating. And I'm just so grateful that people like Tim exist and that people that manage WordPress hosting companies take care of this for me so that I can just sip, sip my coffee while Tim talks about this. Yeah. I remember I was skiing. This is going years ago. I was skiing and I'd been I'd been several times and I'd been trying really hard to be good at skiing. You know, I was giving it my full attention. Every single thing was every sinew of my body. And then this like this what looked like a nine month old child zoom, just went straight past me and just did some cool turns and all this, you know, tiny little child. And I just thought, do you know what? I'm just not built to be good at some things. It's just Their center not... of gravity is lower. It's easier that's for them. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the way of the world. You know, you can't be good at everything. We've all got our skills. And speaking of which, um, turns out that there's a lot of people out there who have great skills, 
um, hacking websites and creating a fuss for the rest of us with malware and viruses and all this kind of stuff. WordPress, it feels like, has got a massive target painted on its back just because of the, the volume of websites that are built on top of it. And WordFence, big company in this space, often put out articles. This one is nothing to do with a particular vulnerability, and they're the ones we normally mention. This one's just about um, the sort of cat and mouse game, really, if you like, of people trying to hide their malware and make it look as benign as possible. In fact, make it look to the untrained eye like me. If I looked at the stuff that they're mentioning in this article, I would just pass it by. Just curious what Tim's thoughts are on this. The article is called uh, WordPress Malware Camouflaged as Code. And just, I wish these people didn't exist, but I'm also quite grateful they are because it gives me some sort of thing to hook onto each week. So, uh, yeah. Tim. Go for it. The floor uh, is yours. Am I allowed to pimp somebody else's podcast? Of, of course. If, if you if you like security and you like security narratives, Darknet Diaries. That is so good. It is a very good it podcast. It is real. I was listening to that just yesterday, in fact. It's a beautiful Sorry. podcast. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, life is not like Darknet Diaries. Or, no. Or, or the, the views that you said. My life is basically an excel spreadsheet most of the time and oh right bits you're, you're, it's nowhere near as fun as you'd think um but speaking the article is all about this idea of how uh, bad actors are now are trying to hide their code now the one thing you find with hacked code is most people if a person looks at a page if somebody knows the site's been hacked someone goes and starts looking for the code and they open up a file you can normally tell which file's been hacked by the fact that there's this dirty great block of unformatted gumpf that makes no sense. And that was because the bad actor was trying to avoid the any automated scans looking for them by obfuscating the code and hiding it and coding it and then trying to decode it later down. The result of this is it looks ugly and humans go, ah, it's that. So whereas computers can't really detect what we perceive as ugly code or the big blocks of code as easily, humans are really good at reading through files and going, that's the hacked code. So over time, this sort of there's this sort of half and half scenario where if you if they'd left that code unobfuscated, then someone's antivirus software would have picked it up. By obfuscating it, the antivirus software is less likely to pick it up, but a human's more likely to put it up. Now we're getting into a scenario where the bad actors are sort of trying to work out where the halfway house is, where where they can uh, not end up with these giant bits of code, but have uh, bits of code that look like the same as everything else. Um, I came across this a few years ago where I was reading through, I knew a site had been hacked, um, and I was reading through this code, and I glanced down this file, and I looked for it, and I was like... I can't find this hack. It's not in this file. And I went back several times. I went and looked at the file again. And then I realized that the, where the hack was, because it was actually a function. And it clearly said in the comment, which they'd written in the same style as the rest of the file, this is where we're sending the payload of data to credit card data to the company with the URL of where it was going. And it was oh. completed full, obfuscated. And I skipped it about five times. Right. Because I wasn't, I was looking for a big block of horrible code. I wasn't looking for, oh, here's the function. Beautifully commented. I learned a lot about how they were doing stuff. Very kind. <laughs> they were really nice to me, but I wouldn't have, I, I, as a person who was glancing, I didn't spot that. And actually, the automated um, virus checks weren't spotting it either. And because it just looked like sensible, normal code. Um, 
Now, the WordFence article is actually talking about where they've got where they're not doing it quite as blatant as that, but they're making uh, functions and look to look as if they should be doing something when they're really doing something else and then pulling in extra data. And one of the things that they do right at the end that's quite clever that you find an awful lot on is that they get their data from a PNG file. Now you're thinking, hang on a minute, PNG is a picture. But most people don't realize that you can just shove extra data into um, files like PNGs or JPEGs. So you can throw in PHP code into that file. You could still load the file up and it will still be a picture. But halfway down, there's just a bunch of PHP code. Hmm. Now, if you went to a server and typed in, I don't know, my example.com slash my PNG, it would still show you the picture and it wouldn't execute that PHP code. But if you had some other code on the site and said, hey, execute the code that's in this file, then PHP is pretty good as a parser and goes, okay, there seems to be a load of gumph that I don't need to know about, i.e. the picture. But hey, there's this tag here that says PHP. So I'll just process everything in between that. Mm. And it processes it through and passes it out. You'll be amazed how often you find PHP sitting in public uploaded images. Uh, so if you've, if you've got a website that you let the public upload an image to, there is a reasonable chance that you're going to open up some of those JPEGs and find that there is, in fact, some dodgy code sitting in there. Oh. oh. Now, chances are that can't be exploited without another exploit in place as well. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just, uh, it, this, this article shows how you can just sort of layer these things in, yeah. along with hiding things really well. So, and, go on, sorry. I was going to say, and the, the moral of this story is keep everything up to date because when it when these vulnerabilities are found if you're getting hacked then you're getting hacked because your website isn't up to date so as unglamorous as it is and you're seeing all the fun bits in the code all of it is really irrelevant to your average user and the average user should just update their website yeah keep everything up to date <laughs> yeah so in in you know real world scenarios crime and all of that kind of thing is often you know there's a there's a real obvious game you know somebody burgles your house and they take a, lot, a load of your stuff and it's got got value and you know that kind of thing i, I am I'm never never there's no bit of me which doesn't always get amazed why these and i know it's done by uh, robots and i know it's not individually picking out particular websites but just curious what your thoughts are what, why what is the benefit typically for for this stuff to be put out there, what are they trying to do? Are they like putting Bitcoin miners on your server, or are they trying to just lock your content up so that you pay them a ransomware? What's the what's the current meaning of it all? Uh, it really depends. Um, yeah, good old fashioned sending you Viagra spam is still very highly popular. Really? Um, okay. So just shunting, so just using your server to send out as much spam as possible. Okay. Um, Directing traffic around, so taking your site over so that you, they can then use your site to push traffic to a different site, whether that's to boost SEO rankings whether that, or whether that is to do a direct denial of service attack on other people's sites. Um, ransomware is fairly low down the list on when hitting websites. That's more about hitting web mm. servers. So if you can take the whole, uh, an infrastructure, if you can take the whole infrastructure, if you take a website and just say, ha-ha, we've, we've changed all your files, then what tends to happen is the person goes, ha-ha, I have a backup. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit harder when they go, ha-ha, I've taken over your entire server, and you go, ah. Uh, you yes. can't actually get into it to put the backup on. That's a bit more yeah. awkward. So you, you, 
but yeah, so for websites themselves, ransomware is less, though ransomware of your host is a huge potential issue. Mm. And we're seeing more and more hosts being hit with ransomware. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm afraid, yeah, Bitcoining mining is a common one. Um, the lols is still actually relatively high up on the system. Um, but quite a lot of these people, actually what they do is they will put a back, back door onto your site. So a back door is just another way to get in. So once they've put the first vulnerability in, they'll create a second or even a third one. And then they'll just sell access. Right. And then, and you can normally see when a site's been popped and sold because you're, you, when you go through the logs, you can go, aha, I can see the initial entry point there and there. And then, woof, all of these people suddenly logging in. And because um, weirdly, criminals don't really work in exclusivity. I'm sure they tell them that it's exclusive, but uh, within yes. a few minutes, it's like, yep, they just sell it as much access as they can. So the people who are doing the initial getting the things onto your server are normally selling and they don't care what the other person's doing after that. Yeah, it, it does feel to me like that. It uh, this is really the wrong word for it, but it does feel like if you um, are into internet security and you want to go down the the black, the dark, the dark side way of doing things, that there is there is actually a career in that, isn't there? You know, you can genuinely make decent money if you're good at it, which is such a darn make, shame. You can make decent money if you crap at it. That's the real oh problem. really? Oh, <laughs> you okay. can you can buy these scripts for pennies if you are in the right place you can be getting this you can gain access for pennies you can get enough you can make enough that you can make a good living while at being absolutely rubbish and not having much technical nows at all i guess if I you know how, if you can use a tor browser you probably have enough right now to make money which just sounds like a terrible oh, don't do it as a career move um <laughs> please yeah we're selling it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, you'll started, become... I was going over all the forms in my head that i have that allow you to upload images and every single one of them requires that you pay me some form of money so sponsorships or that kind of thing so if they want to upload images that have that they're gonna have to pay me to do it <laughs> nicely done michelle that's a that's a good way of getting around it i suspect that if that's the case it's quite unlikely that somebody's going to pay you to uh, to upload a nefarious image yeah that's that's a good way of getting around it um yeah, just fascinating. I'm always fascinated yeah, sure. by this, the, the back and forth and the fact that it affects all of our lives. And it just it increasingly, funnily enough, I was trying to book a badminton court earlier. This has got nothing to do with WordPress. But I was confronted by the fact that I couldn't book the badminton court unless I was using an app. You literally can't book the, the leisure center facility now, which you have to book now because of covid and all that and you have to have the app they won't do it over the phone and i was just suddenly presented with the fact that good grief you know if you're if you're really not into technology and you but this is the way you've got to do it we're forcing everybody into doing using technology for everything mm -hmm. and um and we're opening all, all this stuff wide open i would imagine that you know if if my my parents for example had to do this sort of stuff they would probably have a, a, a laptop or something it'd be terribly out of date because they've got no interest in updating it um, and I just just worry about the future. So many people putting horrible stuff out there. Anyway, there you go. I, I had to teach my parents how to use Uber, and it was not fun. Oh, what you mean, like hailing a cab on the app? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Because I suspect that for the likes of you, it would there was no impediment to doing that the very first time. I bet you you downloaded Uber the app the first time, and within seconds you'd figured out how to do it. But honestly, right. if I gave that to to my 
people in my life, let's say that, yeah. um, it, it would be impenetrable. They wouldn't be able to get past the... Let's you just know, say I ended up ordering a cab from my location to their location. Like, I, I basically had them pick up and do it from my phone because they just could not understand the concept. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, okay. Technology is everywhere. Okay, let's press on. Um, we've gone through the regular smorgasbord of stuff that I picked out for this week, and uh, I'm going to go on to a bit of content which has been given us by Michelle this week. Mm-hmm. First one, let me put the screen back on. Now, I confess um, I haven't had a chance to read this, Michelle, so it very much is over okay. to you. You're, we're looking at a piece called Women in Technology, Hazel Quimpo. Why is this mm-hmm. on our screens? This is our screen. So one of the things that I love about Liquid Web is that they highlight women in technology that work within the Liquid Web company and and brands. And I was just, oh, there's Hazel. She says hi. (laughs) I said, so Hazel is one of those people that I get to work with. And we knew each other just through Twitter prior to this. But Hazel is just absolutely delightful. She knows her stuff. And uh, when we get together in the same room, the ideas that generate back and forth and the synergy is just amazing. And I assume that because of the kind of person she is, she has that with a lot of people. So when you know when you put when you put into the show notes, um, are there any articles that you want to post, you know, point people to what's relevant in your world right now? This just landed on on the blog last Friday, and I absolutely wanted to take the opportunity to highlight Hazel. Oh, I bet Hazel isn't quite as um, isn't the same color as this right now. I bet Hazel's a sort of slightly redder color. Uh, you know. <laughs> but look, she and I have the same hair color. Oh yes, hair. look at that. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's nice. So, is, is this particular blog feature? Is this a bit like Hero Press, where they just pick out people from their own company and? And um, and tell you tell you why they are such remarkable people. It's it's a little bit more than that. It's so it's it's a specific you know they they um, highlight a specific woman um, every every month and they assign a writer and the writer interviews you and then puts together this piece that makes you sound amazing and highlights all of the things that you do and you know when you get to read about these other women who are making great strides and one of the questions when you get a chance to look at it one of the questions is you know what do we think of as the future of women in technology and I love going back through this part of the blog and looking what other women see as the future of women in technology and the bright hope that there is um, and the legacy that we hope to leave for other women to have an easier path into different technological careers than we have sometimes had to fight to get to where we are. Mm. And so it's just, it's just wonderful. And being able to... Um, to work with women like Hazel, it just absolutely, you know, people asked me all the time and they still do, you know, when GiveWP was acquired, how has, how has it been? Has it been okay? Cause everybody worries that, that, that take, that's the takeover kind of thing. And it has been nothing but joyful because I still get to do exactly what I do with GiveWP, but now I'm within a larger organization that puts me in touch with people like Hazel on a regular basis. And this is just, I mean, talk about a perk. 
Yeah, that is nice. Um, unfortunately, my little... Oh, no, maybe it'll work. Maybe I have to click that one. Oh, there we go. There we go. I can make it appear. Look. Oh, shocks. Michelle knows how to make a gal feel special. Agree, LW is all sorts of fantastic. LW Liquid Web, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, we spoke about that, didn't we, um, at the time? And there was all sorts of incredibly bizarre, unexpected, from my point of view, benefits that you accrued. Um, through the acquisition, and uh, mm -hmm. it, sound, it sounds like it's all working out really well for you. That's lovely. It is, you put two pieces forward for us, didn't you? I you did. put another one, um, which is more on your home territory, if you like, the give side it of things. Is. Tell the us about this. Here, I, yeah, the last time I was here, I got to talk about um, that we have text to give now with GiveWP, and we have people who are using text to give, which is wonderful, and there's lots of opportunities um, within a nonprofit organization to use that, specifically if you're having an event and people can't just like whip out and go to a website, now they can use the text to give. But peer-to-peer -peer fundraising is coming very soon. It's in, it's, it's in the final stages of testing. We're going to see it very quickly. Um, but what it does is it allows you to have people create um, donation forms on behalf of your organization within your organization. So think of it like a little bit of like a um, the WordPress and Give meets, um, I can't think of the word, the main, main fundraising Just thing right now. But uh, yeah, something like that, right? So, like, let's say that you are running or you, you're putting together a 5K, and you have and, and Nathan wants to run and he wants to raise money for your 5K. Nathan can go to your website, spit up a donation form on your website to raise money for that 5K under his name. Oh, so I yeah. can sort of proxy the fundraising for you, so I can just autonomously mm -hmm. fundraise for something that you're doing without your permission. Even I could just say, oh, I just want to give you a. I just want to give you a, a head start. I mean, That's cool. You will have to, per I mean, there's permissions in the back end, right? So okay. you can spin up a, 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 a you know, but, but somebody um, on the admin side will have to say, yes, we approve this form to go up on our website because you want to make sure the language is proper and all of those kinds of things. So you still want to have some levels of control, but it's really going to make things easier. So we saw um, with the last WordFest that we did peer fundraising. So I had, you know, 24 days of artwork and I, raised over with, with Jessica Frick, we raised over $500 um, during 24 days for WordFest. And that was done with GiveWP, but using um, Gravity Forms to kind of pull it all together and then house it on the site. This is going to be without having to use a third party like Gravity Forms or Ninja Forms to be able to do that. So it's going to be its own plugin. It's going to work seamlessly with GiveWP and it's going to make that People are constantly asking us, you know, we're having a golf tournament. People want to be able to put together their foursome, raise the money. Uh, we're having a chili cook-off and we want to make sure and, and people want to be able to create and, and have it not having to submit and have somebody create the form on the back end is just going to make life so much easier for all these nonprofits who want to be able to do that peer-to-peer -peer fundraising like that. That's really cool. Can I just say Exciting. that you, you, you said something which I've heard in film so many times. You said chili cook-off. Um, yes. Folks over this side of the Atlantic, we don't, we have no idea what that means. What, what, okay. what is a chili cook-off? Do, do you have like bread pudding cook-offs or something? I mean, like Yorkshire pudding cook-offs. I don't know. I don't think we do. <laughs> do we? So do we, Tim? Do we have those? No, we do things like the largest, you know, largest carrots and uh... <laughs> yeah, just a simple, straight-up large too. carrot. Keep it easy. No, it yeah. So a chili cook-off, let's say we have fairs and things like that here, right? And so a chili cook-off would be everybody creates their own version of what chili is to them. Okay. And then you have you have 
testers, you'll say you have judges that'll go through and they'll taste every single one and proclaim that one is the best. Oh, I, I think we've stolen that idea and created a show called The Great British Bake Off, where uh, where people have, yeah. people create cakes and uh, then you mm-hmm. know there's a great deal of gnashing of clothes and rending of teeth or I, I the other may way have around. Probably. A few episodes, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a thing. It's a thing on this side of the Atlantic as well. Okay, um great. okay that looks really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. really, really nice. Obviously my sort of slightly foot in mouth moment earlier where I said, yeah, anybody can raise money for anybody. Yeah, I guess you've got to gotta give permission. Otherwise you might uh you know you might have people that you really don't want raising money for you raising money for you, which could be a bit awkward. Or they or they might like, you know, misspell your organization's name so there's some controls on the back end to be able to fix things like that add featured images if they don't put an image in things like that so um, you'll still have complete control over what's on your website but it allows other people to do the spin up for you so that you don't have to go through and have conversations with people and it doesn't have to be complex Um, right, a cu- couple of extra things. The first one I don't have a screenshot for, so I'm just going to pull this the screen off. Um, Michelle, you just wanted to mention. I think I, I might do it, and and if there's uh, any need to say any more, we can uh, we can add that in. But Michelle wanted to mention that um, the WordCamp US dates have been announced. It's October the first, twenty. Well, the upcoming October. It's not you know yeah. like 2022, and I think they're at the point where they're looking for speakers. Is that right? If you go oh, to the website. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. The, the deadline has passed on that now. So oh, because it's coming up so quickly, right? So we we or we're building this whole thing in eight weeks, basically. Okay. And now we're down to like about six weeks of it. So um, you're so you're yeah. involved in that one, are you as well? I'm one of the organizers for WordCamp okay. US. Yes. Um. So go and check check the website out. Sorry, I don't have a. Tickets URL are available now. That's okay. okay. Tickets Great. are available now. So. Thank you. And don't overspend your budget. Yeah, not by three hundred. Otherwise, automatic will be very upset with you. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what, pounds off you. I wonder what the uh, the point of, of cons- you know the constraint moment is like. Is twenty seven dollars all right? What about thirty eight or ninety two? Maybe. <laughs> I will tell you that sponsorship sold out within a few hours. Oh, so good! Yeah, well done, well done. Hey, speaking of which, that was a nice segue. Never get that normally. I'm um, I'm just going to plug something I'm doing. We're doing this page builder summit thing again. We're on version three, and if anybody wants to to help us out with sponsorship to make it, you know, happen, basically, please reach out to me. You can reach out to me at admin at pagebuildersummit.com, uh, and it's happening in October this year. So it will, you know, nicely just collide probably with WordCamp US. So it looks like, Michelle, we're uh, we're going to be running dry because you've got them all already. But if you are interested, Page Builder Summit version three, we are we're doing it a little bit later than WordCamp US. I think it's a week or 10 days or so later. But if you're interested in sponsorship, reach out admin at pagebuildersummit.com. In our show notes, Tim didn't add anything, but I'm going to open the floor to him and, and he can just decline and say, no, I've got nothing. But Tim, if there's anything you want to mention that you're doing this week, this month, something that you want to plug, feel free, go for it. Uh, no, I'm on holiday. <laughs> oh, nice. They're the best things. Um, in that case, um, I will say one thing, which I want to get your your two's opinion on. I'm thinking of buying a standing desk. Discuss. Is that a good idea or is that just stupidity? I want to get one of those desks that moves up and down. You know the kind? You ever do done you... that? You ever done the standing desk thing? So I have... As somebody who has... Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a version of this. It's called Boxes. 
Right. So you just <laughs> literally put the you put boxes on top of the table until it's quite higher. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I did think about boxes, and I did because my table is kind of like basically hardwired into my room. You know, it's one of those kind of pre-fitted things, um, and I can't really do much ob- about it. And then I saw this thing that you can plonk. It's a Kickstarter thing, so it's a bit of a posh box, and it comes in like three flat pack things, and together they make this sort of A-frame, and things can stand on it. But I just thought, you know what? I sit in this chair too long, and as well, you've probably all seen my chair. My chair is not the kind of chair that anybody ought to be sitting in. It's uh, well, it's this look. Here it is. It's just yeah. a kitchen chair. It's a good chair that. And uh, and I was thinking I need to stand more, and it would be a bit like me putting on a few a, a few laps of the the circuit each day just by standing around. I would say maybe a chair is an improvement over a desk. No, this is the chair. This is the chair which works. Honestly, I've had this conversation. There is a nice chair. Like, I've just touched it. There it is. And um, I hate it. It makes my back hurt. This beauty does, it's just sitting this all day. And uh, apart from the occasional occasional shuffle where I just have to sort of realign things, I'm golden. You can't have that posture in that chair. That's why. Yeah, it's just the perfect. But I feel like, even though I've got this nice chair that I like, I feel like, I see. I see people talking about getting a standing standing desk, and I think actually that would be good for me. Just being on my feet all day might be a good thing, not for so everybody, right? But I, okay, I need I'll... the opposite. Mm. I need the opposite. So I understand the opposite is technically what I already have, but I need one that lowers from where I Ooh. am. What do you for mean? Two reasons. Well, number one, I have mobility issues, so I can't stand for for long periods of time. So a standing desk does nothing for me. But I'm only five feet tall, and so in order to reach the desk at the right height for my hands my feet dangle and so now i have to have yeah a step, like a stool under the desk to put my feet on but if i move to the right or the left then it's not under my feet anymore so i'm constantly readjusting how i sit at a desk if i sit comfortable with my feet flat on the floor then my arms are too high for the keyboard and so as somebody who's only five feet tall <laughs> i need short desks is there such a thing as can i just lower this desk by about three inches yeah because there isn't like the anti-box is there you can't like it. i mean it's a trough you need like a little trough in the desk that you can put the monitor <laughs> to when, I, when i worked at the massage school my desk actually had um it wasn't the kind of desk now where it just kind of sits on the ground, right? It had little feet underneath it. And so one of the uh, maintenance people came in and cut the feet off for me. Right. So the desk was the perfect height. Now, after I left there, I don't know who got stuck with that desk because there probably wasn't anybody else five feet tall. But regardless, I was a happy camper for those couple of years. Yeah, because most office furniture is kind of like pre-bought, isn't it? And I'm just looking at, like, for example, the table behind you. It's 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 got the legs that it comes with, and that's the height. Where This I Correct. fitted, and it's, it is the perfect height for me in this chair, which doesn't mm-hmm. move. Everything works exactly right. I'm just conscious that I'm not spend like eight to ten hours a day sitting in this chair I'm just thinking it would be the, a poor man's way of getting a little tiny bit of exercise um heinrich says get one basically he really recommends it best thing cameron, and, uh, cameron said that too i think cameron yeah. also yeah i love it okay that's it sold um i'm gonna get some boxes that's... well i was gonna say get some boxes <laughs> first because yeah. if you're using the boxes that will let test you it. feel it and test it yep. um and then if you if it works then buy it because it the only thing i would say is they're incredibly large investment to get a decent one and you need to have one that has a good if you've got a heavy desk yeah you need a good motor 
Otherwise, Good. what happens is you either have a cr- hand crankshaft, which you just that will get you your exercise in, but only <laughs> yeah. one arm will get grow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you want the one that, you, if you're basically you're after the thing that presses the button, yeah. and then you want one that goes to various presets and all the fancy stuff, you need they, they do come in quite expensive. So try with the boxes have first. Desktop versions, you know, they have desktop versions where you can set it on top of your desk. Yeah, like I was just saying, there's this yeah. A-frame one which I've seen, which I really mm-hmm. like the look of. The only thing is, I've got a fairly wide monitor um Mm. and i feel that like tapping on the so i could mount that onto the wall i guess but then tapping on the desk as it is at the minute i'm imagining that the you know the the minute vibration that i get amplified by the boxes or the stand this thing's gonna it's gonna be like watching the you know like oh i'll get all seasick (laughs) seasick. (laughs) yeah really first world problems but i was just interested to know what you thought and the, the only two comments we got about it are very favorable and tim's got his box and so there we go. Oh, it sounds good. Thank I you. I want the opposite. Yeah. Yes, that's right. She wants the opposite. Yeah, you need a saw. Basically. I do. Um, Ikea. 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 They Ikea, do one. Ikea desks, uh, nearly all of them have their sort of like uh, raising and lowering stands, and their lowering one is really low. The only downside is that you also need a spirit level. Oh, because otherwise, when you raise up your 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 four oh, legs yeah. and you're trying to even them up to the right height, <laughs> you, they're right. going, "Yes, I've done it fine." And then you watch as your monitor <laughs> watch, the, watch the coffee slowly go towards the really expensive MacBook Pro <laughs> All your on the end of the desk, yeah. <laughs> rolling everywhere. <laughs> right, we really went off piece there, but it was very nice. Thank you very much for that. Um, as always, we do this 2 p.m. UK time every Monday. We'll be back here next week, um, hopefully joined by Paul Lacey. But for this week, we've uh, we've done it. We're going to knock it on the head. I'd obviously like to thank both Michelle and Tim for joining us this week. Well, we, on this right. new platform, we don't have to do the awkward wave because it just stops it straight away. But would you mind, for the sake of the album art, would you just give us a wave so that I can... Uh, I can screenshot that last few seconds. That's perfect. Thank you very much. We'll see you again soon. Thanks, guys. 